0: Hi, school leaders, and welcome to the Principal Podcast Party, hosted by your very own P3 team.
1: We believe that every school deserves a dynamic principal who fights mediocrity and empowers those around them every single day.
0: I'm Keith Greiser.
1: And I'm Allison Gregory. And it's time to get this party started.
0: Welcome to the Principal Podcast Party. This is episode 20. Data, Hey, Allison, it's time for another party.
1: All right. <laughs> party on.
0: Good to be with you today, everybody. We are down here at Greg. What a beautiful facility this is. We're doing some initial certified evaluation training and wanted to take a minute out of our day to record this podcast about data and the mm-hmm. use of data and the mm-hmm. why of data and the how we can use data to better improve student learning. And so, Allison, why don't you jump right in and uh, talk about the why?
1: So... As a school leader, I think that's your first when you look at data, because a lot of times you get overwhelmed with so many reports, so many pieces of data, data coming to you from all different directions. And as a leader, sometimes I, ha- I think we have to sit back and first decide, why do we need the data? And so regardless of what's coming your direction, you need to say, why, why do I need this data? How is it gonna help my school? How is it going to help our students? Because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. And how will it help my teachers instructing our students? And so if you don't know your why yet of why I'm using this data, it's almost like relevance in the classroom. We have to know why we're using it before we start to use it. And so for me, my why is knowledge is power. And so no matter where that data fell, I needed it in order to create the next steps. And my other piece of why is I value transparency. And I didn't want transparency just between me and the teacher. I wanted transparency across our school. So transparency was my why. I wanted knowledge was power. And I think sometimes, unfortunately Keith, we as principals want to just put our head in the sand and be like, I don't want to look at it at it because it's not showing me exactly what I want to see. But if we don't address that, then we don't have a target to look at. So that's my why. Do you want to add anything to that?
0: Yeah. I think that my why is similar. I, I wanted to, and still want to improve student performance Mm -hmm. and uh, grow student learning. And there's, There's no denying what the numbers say. Now, we can interpret those numbers in a lot of different ways. We can utilize those numbers in a lot of different ways. But collecting data helps to make sure that we stay focused and on track. And I think sometimes we go overboard with the data we collect. But like you said, sometimes it's difficult to look at because the data is not showing what we want. We know how hard our people have worked. And sometimes the The scores that we see aren't what we want to see. And so um, always being focused back on how are we going to help kids improve uh, is my why.
1: And if I can be brutally honest, one of my why's after the pandemic, when we got those year scores back last fall, what if the scores look the same that they did before the pandemic? What if there wasn't a huge drop like we thought there would be? Then what is that data telling me as a school leader? And to me, that was a scary thought to cross my mind, but it was a huge catapult as far as being transparent with your staff of if if students, if we said that being in classrooms and we all believe that is the most important thing for our kids and having a teacher in front of them and they still performed as well, and maybe just a little worse than when a teacher wasn't in front of them. What's that telling us as a school? And so while that's super scary, it was, it was one of my brutal realities I needed to face. I mean, I'm, I'm saying that before I even saw the data, just mm-hmm. am I willing <laughs> to look at it through that lens? And so I want you as leaders to lean into the uncomfortable and the sometimes um, shocking reality that that data could give you. So I think once you sit down and you develop your why, and I would take some time to do that, why are are we using this data? Because when you go to teachers and you say, okay, fill this out, keep this data, do these cards, and they don't know why, it's just like the classroom. So develop your why. And then decide what. Data you're going to keep and meaning keep track of what data is important to us as a school. And so I just wanted to spend some time with that about the different categories. And you all, as listeners, think through. And sometimes it's just sitting down at your desk and listing all the data that's available. And so then we get what data overload, but just list it out. Sit down at your desk and list all the data that teachers have access to. So just off the cuff, it's Kentucky summative assessment data. That's a one and done piece. Most schools now, Keith, have benchmark assessments, whether it's STAR, MAPS, there's some sort of benchmark assessment out there, right? Right. And there is classroom performance data, and that's on the academic side. So you've got your classroom, you've got your benchmarks, you've got your summative, but then what other data do we have, right, so you've really got your work ethic or soft skill data in my mind, you've got attendance, you've got behavior, you've got um, transiency data from IC of are they moving, are they in and out of schools, um, and that is available ready for UNIC, and that's the persistence to graduate report, the early warning tool, and there's all sorts of resources in Infinite Campus to pull that, and it's live data. So you've got that data as well. What other data crosses your mind?
0: Yeah, there are a lot of schools that do common assessments, that mm-hmm. gives a lot of good feedback. Some of them do the Iowa test in between, uh, you mentioned the MAP and, and uh, some of those other tests. Um but I think that, you know, there are data points that we keep on teachers. Are you doing walkthrough tool? Do you have, you know, the Elliot or any of those tools in line that you're taking data that uh, for your school to make sure that there are consistencies within the classroom? And so lots of data points uh, in in lots of areas.
1: Mm-hmm. And then by doing that, though, sometimes you got to let go of things you've always done just because like, are you wearing kids out? With assessing them or teachers out with that. So we've got our why, and now you need to look at your what are you keeping? What type of data is important for you as a school leader to keep? And then <clears throat> how often are we looking at this data? How often should we look at this data? Um, should we look at it once a year, twice a year? How will we use this data when we do have it? there's got to be a plan in place and it can't be one of this is what we're supposed to do. So we're going to have our benchmark or our common assessment PLC and we're just going to go through the motions because that's what we're supposed to do because that's that's not the right attitude and you're definitely not going to get movement. And that's why people have had a bad attitude toward data at some points. Um, so you got to think about How are we going to do this? How are we going to implement it into and integrate, not implement, integrate it into the way we do business as a school family and looking at that? And that's pretty self-explanatory. Just think about how are we going to look at it. But where do you keep this data? Because I remember as a principal, and it hasn't been that long for either one of us. There's a million different websites. There's a million different places. There's a million different reports. So where can I have everything in one place? And I was very, it was imperative for me that teachers not have to go all over the place. And that's going to take work on you as a principal or your instructional coach or whoever. But I think building your uh, database isn't the right word, Keith, but where it's going to be housed. So for me, I did a sheet, you know, Google Sheet that everyone had access to. But I didn't just want that year's data because then you're dealing with multiple files and pulling up. I wanted to be able to see how Allison Gregory scored in her Kentucky Summative Assessment in fifth grade, eighth grade, when I'm talking about writing, you know, mm-hmm. and then junior year. What is, what is her longitudinal data showing me? I wanted all of it even though I was just the high school principal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we missed the mark. So many of our schools are keeping great data, but then when they leave, we're not passing that data on. So that was really important to me. And I wanted one place. So we aligned, here's what Kentucky Summative scored. And then here was their benchmark, common assessments if you wanted to. And then I even put their persistence to graduate. Like what was their score at different points in time? So we had one big document that we could look at and it continue on until they graduate Mm -hmm. what a Um, great
0: idea um the data is a growth emphasis for me that was part of my growth plan several times as principal and i worked hard with my assistant superintendent who supervised mm -hmm. me and observed me uh, and evaluated me to try to grow in that area. So it's not something that came naturally to me. Mm-hmm. So I always had someone in the building who that was their strength. And I tried to learn from them, but I also knew that it was important. It was too important for it to be a weakness of mine and me not to address it. Sure. Um, and those those folks were Excel document mm-hmm. um, gurus. gurus. And so <laughs> it was everything was in an Excel sheet. But one of the things I wanted to do was to make sure that teachers didn't have to enter the data multiple times in multiple places. There's so many complaints that I heard from teachers that, hey, I just had to enter 145 test scores into this. And now here you've got this other sheet for MTSS that I'm having to enter it on this different form. And then I've got this other thing from the district. I'm having to enter it again on that form. That's taken up multiple Mm -hmm. planning periods. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important that we have systems for like what you said. yes systems for keeping track of the data for inputting the data and as much as we can keep teachers from having to do repetitory work yes uh, entering it over and over again and wasting their time um, can can help with the culture of utilizing data rather than having to spend the whole time just putting it in a, in a spreadsheet mm-hmm.
1: and so what you say is important to the, re, the repetitive piece, the monotonous, like I'm doing this over and over again, it's not helping me, but that does bring me to the who of who should be putting this data in. And so for my first couple of years, I thought I was helping teachers by after when the kids took the star, I was putting in all their data because I felt like that was a way I could serve my teachers. And I do believe it was. However, what happens when I put the data in for Keith Greiser's classroom, guess what Keith Greiser never does?
0: Never looks at the data.
1: Never truly <laughs> looks at it and internalizes it. And so when we had the longitudinal data to show what they scored last year on all the benchmarks, and then this year, when you're inputting that data into our school-wide form, you're making a mental note, right, of every single kid. And we did that conditional formatting on the Excel sheet. So it turned red if it was novice. Mm -hmm. It turned yellow. And so you visually could see not only a score, but you visually could see if they were on track or Mm -hmm. not. And so I did go back after a couple of years. I'm like, this is your data. And so for teachers to own it, they needed to put it in. But you're right about wearing them out with multiple places. Mm -hmm. I get that. So Our thought process is streamline. So if I can tell you anything, principals learn to streamline things. What can we do to make it, you hear me say this often, a one-stop shop. Mm -hmm. So I wanted a one-stop shop for communication. And you'll want a one-stop shop for data as well, um, where people can go pull it up quickly, access to it quickly, um, and then think through. There's so many resources within Kentucky Department of Education. One of those being that, if you heard me say, persistence to graduate or early warning tool. I mean, the videos are on there, the have to, the step-by-step, the implementation hints with that. And then you've got your multi-tiered system supports. You know, we've got our handbook for for schools as
0: well. So we'll link some of that in the uh, episode takeaway notes. So if you want to take a look at that, uh, you can quickly link to some of the resources that KDE provides
1: and relevance at the end so we've said it a couple times but if you're going to make teachers take the time to do a common assessment or you are going to make kids sit down and take a benchmark assessment that you're paying thousands thousands of dollars for then you want to do something with it and if you're not and you don't have plans to why are we spending our money there if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so so we as leaders have to dig into the why the how um and hold teachers and students accountable to that. There, there's a lot of promise, a lot of um, supports within those assessments. But we got to do something with it, mm-hmm. and it's got to what you said impact student learning in a positive way. And sometimes that's giving up things. Then, if if we are so overwhelmed with everything else that we can't keep up with this piece of data too or this assessment too, and maybe it is. We, we are focused on common assessments right now. And, and for the next two years, we're going to make sure that our instruction is aligned. It's rigorous enough. Okay. So is a benchmark going to get you there? Like, I don't know. I'm just mm-hmm. saying things out loud that they will need to question as school
0: leaders.
1: Uh, less is more. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Less yeah. is more.
0: So as we get ready to bring this one to a close, can you give one concrete example of a time when you did, went through your data process and you saw the outcome of student growth. This is the process that I took and here was the outcome that, that we got.
1: And this has nothing to do with what we talked about, but it's everything to do with data. So when I was an elementary principal, I wanted teachers to own it, but I also wanted students to own it. And so we did, um, we used different resources. Um, reading plus being one of those you know as they went and so one thing that really helped me with students buying into the response to intervention or enrichment time we called it hwpo which represents hard work pays off Mm -hmm. time is i printed off their reports and their parent letter and it took a lot of time but i'm telling you it's absolutely worth it i wrote on every single one of them Mm -hmm hey, blah, 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 you know, super proud of you, look at your goal, can't wait to see that, you know, met in the spring. I mean, I gave some concrete, you know, just feedback, Mm -hmm. and it took time, but I was modeling for my teachers what I would want them to do in the future, so the first time it took a ridiculous amount of time, but it also made me own every student in my building that Mm -hmm. took that, and so when I gave it back to the students, you could see kind of students think, okay, she's really looking at my stuff. She cares enough to look at this. I want to try hard. I'm better than this. Or maybe, you know, I really Mm -hmm. did well on this. So I'm going to keep pushing either way it went. And then that next time that we gave the assessment again, all of them, you know, I shouldn't say all, but majority of kids went up because Mm -hmm. they figured out it was relevant and they bought in and they understood. And so I think that's what we're going with when we were talking about, teachers parents and students because those letters went home to students Mm to parents they signed off they saw it so it became that common language we could talk I could see them in the hallway hey how you doing you know where are we at so for me that was a concrete piece yeah
0: when I was dean of students at Royal Spring Middle School in Georgetown one of my assignments was to work with kids who were truant Mm. and so in the past, we had just kind of gotten on them. We had sent the letters home at the three and six, you know, mm-hmm. before they were habitually truant and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Very little changed. And what we found in our area was they had to get up to about 50 or 60 absences before the court process ever kicked in and did anything. And by that time, they're already so far behind. So I worked with the family resource counselor. And together, we came up with this process where we would take our... 20 or so highest flyers for truancy, and we would put them in this program. We called it truancy diversion program, but you can call it whatever you want, and we would meet with those kids every other week, and it was a mentoring type of program where she was there to help provide any resources that they needed to be able to be successful. If they needed an alarm clock, she's giving them an alarm clock, whatever, talking to the parents, I was there to help monitor from the administrative end and pull the reports off IC and print them and bring them to the meeting. We invited the parents to the meeting every week, every other week, so the parents could come, and sometimes they did and sometimes they did not, but the parents were always aware of what was happening Mm -hmm. in these meetings, and so we would look at three things, behavior, absenteeism, uh, and grades, and we would set goals every two weeks, Mm -hmm. and then If the kid could beat their goal at the end of those two weeks, we would celebrate that and we would set goals for two more weeks. If the kid was able to achieve 10 weeks in a row of success of their goals, we had a big party for them. We gave them a framed certificate that said they graduated from truancy diversion program, all that kind of stuff. Some some did, some did not. So sure. we had a pretty high rate of success with that program. And the data that we pulled was pretty simple, straight off IC. Um, but having the the student and the parent buy in to look at that data, um, we showed great progress with, with all three areas, not just with the truancy. So we were able to umbrella all three of those things. So I think mentorship and digging into a specific student's data can be a powerful
1: thing so that's really good and that like that's another piece of data we were i mean we just touched on but that's a big piece if they're not in school they're not they're not learning Mm -hmm. so your takeaways today um from our party from our um party today is you got to be very clear on what you're going to keep why you're keeping it why why am i using whatever data it is what am i going to keep how often are we going to look at it? How often is it, is it given? Where are we going to keep all this data? Could I create a one-stop shop so I'm not printing out 17 different reports or putting it in 17 different places? And um, then who, who, who's putting in that data, mm-hmm. right? Who's responsible for that? Who's looking at it? How are we going to make it a part of our culture? And is it important? And I I would say it is, or we're just blindly trying to improve things in our schools. So while we say we're not dictating what data you keep, I do think it's imperative as a school leader that you keep data. How else do we know we're doing well? I mean, we're responsible for that. So definitely a lot for them to think about, right? We're going to have some of those resources, not some of them, everything we've talked about. We'll give you um, those on our notes and allow you to process through those. We'd encourage you guys to get those and, and print those out. And it's, it's kind of like a mind map. It's a worksheet to work through and what would be my plan. And maybe something that you sit down with your admin team and counselors and, you know, like it might be, Hey, counselors, what data are you keeping? Right. Just, kind of get a feel, especially if you're a new leader in the building, what data are we keeping here and why are we keeping it? You might have some in your folder and you have no idea what that's there for. So ask those questions. Or see the holes that that
0: you're not keeping things that could be helpful. So yes, lots of good stuff today. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, that's it for today. Party on.
1: Party on.
0: Thank you for listening to the Principal Podcast Party today. Please like, subscribe, and share this episode with someone who would benefit from it. A new episode of the Principal Podcast Party will drop on the first Monday of each month. Please be sure to check out the resources and the learning guide in the podcast notes. P3 is a division of the Kentucky Department of Education created to support principals across the state. Links to our emails and to the P3 website can also be found in the podcast notes. We hope you had a blast at the party. See you next time.